0: Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured the revenge match against Manchester United at Emirates Stadium. Hello, Keith. Um, I'm breathing again, so this is good. (laughs) <laughs> this is very good. <laughs> Did that not start until into stoppage time huh? <laughs> in the Manchester I, I, match? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will we
1: will talk about that a little bit, but I, I have to say there was there was palpable nervousness, at least where I was, and I, I felt a little bit in the game too. So there is a a great deal of relief uh, and and some very <laughs> very positive feelings at the final whistle. But we can talk about that. I'm sure we will talk about.
0: Yeah, that. we we will in due time. So, um, so a couple items of follow up. Uh, one, really, really minor, silly correction, but I realized when I was talking about usa matches <laughs> I, I was referring to the usa network i did not say usa network um maybe uh dear listener you may have been able to infer it from context it's something that keith and i had discussed <laughs> prior to recording so i knew he knew what i meant but for for everyone else yeah we we're talking about usa network matches don't stream live i believe that will affect the next uh peacock match which is going i don't even remember offhand the fa cup matches the next one coming up i think it's i don't want to guess um it begins and uh i'm trying to guess and i said I it's it is well, anyways, it, the, well, the um, next
1: the next it, premier league match will be it's not this week going to be next weekend against everton
0: right who actually everton, just fired okay, right. who
1: just fired their manager this morning so
0: ah, okay or, yeah so today. that one is yeah so that one is going to be a usa network match and that means that even though the match is on saturday i will not be able to watch it until sunday so um more importantly, some very interesting follow-up, something that was actually a major news story going around in the wake of us talking about the Tottenham fan who rushed the field and kicked Ramsdale. We, we went on a little side topic talking about banning from stadiums and how that's not really practical in the United States, only for me to find out through some podcasts that I listen to that they're just general news podcasts talking about how there's actually the owner of the company that runs uh, madison square garden and radio city music hall a couple very large venues in new york um he has this uh setup where they have facial recognition in the stands i guess at these venues where they flag people who are enemies of the owner enemies of the company and the people the story focused on were lawyers representing clients who are suing the stadium or the owner and these lawyers have been put on a blacklist so the the one woman was a mother who was chaperoning a girl scout troop to see the radio city hall uh, spectacular with the rockettes um she she had to wait outside for the thing to be over which yeah it's it's a little a little chilling that It's being used for that. Apparently, this technology has been used in other contexts for more benign things. It's never been used to target individuals. It's been used more as a defensive mechanism, you know, like we were talking about, right, where you're actually trying to protect something, not as a revenge tool. So uh, who knows what litigation may be coming in the U.S.? (laughs) Well, so we should point out, obviously, this dealing with Madison Square Garden. I, I, Once
1: I saw you you posted that story, I recall that detail. So part of it is because the, the the person who owns, he's the owner of Cablevision, which is the super conglomerate, and then owns the garden is a guy named uh, James Dolan, who, yes, has the enemies enemy. and is uh, something of a jerk about the whole thing. Uh, and so, yes, <laughs> there are, yes, those are very targeted bands who are very particular people. Uh, mostly because, I mean, yes, it is a very jerk thing for him to do. Obviously, the case you cite is particularly sympathetic, but he'll do it as well for people he just, particular people. I mean, the fact that he has enemies like that is, tells you a lot, I think is the best way to say <laughs> it. So, yes, I, I do recall yeah. that. I'm not surprised, uh, which is, uh, there? there's a through line between that and the fact that the New York Knicks have been terrible for 20 years. That's
0: all I'll say there. <laughs> all right well that's that's more than I know about the knicks so
1: <laughs> yeah, believe it. you're not that. missing much, so... let me tell
0: you, you're not missing much. <laughs> All I know about the New York Knicks comes from the 90s movie Space Jam. And I know at least one player in that movie was from the Knicks at the time. That's <laughs> that's just about it. So so moving on, we've got some, uh, some interesting news. Do you want to tell me about the uh, transfer window news that has come up this week? I think some of it should be familiar to at least uh, any of our listeners who have uh, watched the match. But uh, please go on.
1: Right. So, obviously, last time we were talking about the, the, the disappointment, the sort of disappointment at missing out on Michaela Mudrik, who has since gone to Chelsea. Apparently played very well in their game against Liverpool on the weekend, but I don't really watch Chelsea, so sure. Um, but Arsenal, <laughs> we the, the concern was, of course, that Arsenal had put a lot into following uh, Mudrik and, you know, having lost out on that, you know, did they have a, a plan B and it turns out they did it turns out they do and so they (laughs) moved very quickly on Leandro Trossard who is a Belgian international uh was on Mm. the Belgian roster for the World Cup apparently played a little bit although not very much uh and was at Brighton uh at the Brighton Brighton and Hove Albion Arsenal moved quickly he has apparently he had apparently been on the outs with them I guess it had a falling out with the manager and there were concerns and so, it, it, in some ways, it was an easy deal to do. He was substantially cheaper in terms of a transfer fee and other add-ons uh, compared to what Mudrick would have been, or or even um, hmm. uh, Joao Felix, who's the other player that we were considered linked to and also wound up at Chelsea. But So, we got Trussard, um, and then we uh, recently as well acquired, um, I'm going to butcher this poor man's name, uh, Jacob <laughs> Kiwior, uh, who is a Polish international, uh, a defender that we got from Spezia uh, in the Italian league, in the Serie A? Okay. So, looking at these, they're two interesting things to think about. Uh, for uh, if we look at Trossard, Trossard in a lot of ways doesn't really fit with the way Arsenal has approach tra- approached transfers in recent years. Their, their goal in the transfer window has really been to sign young players. I mean, if you look at the players they signed right. recently, you know, Gabriel Jesus is 25 um Mm -hmm. you know there uh you who else was the other big one uh zinchenko uh is 26 and you know typically speaking we've been targeting younger players the idea that they're a little bit cheaper they'll grow into their position um yeah trossard is 28 which isn't old except in sports terms where actually it is a little bit older he's (laughs) he's listed as a forward he is the oldest member of the forward group
0: uh by, oh, okay. by a, in Arsenal, by a, now you're saying
1: on Arsenal, yeah, he's he's three years older than Gabriel Jesus, who is the next oldest, and then behind him is Eddie Enquetia and and Reese Nelson are 23, so like it, right. and, and Saka's 21, like so. He's a it's an odd one, but I think it's an important one as well because while we're focusing so much on getting those kind of young players, you know what. It, it, at the January window, you're looking for a lot of short-term fixes. Maybe he lasts a couple of years, maybe he doesn't. I don't recall the particulars of his deal, but he is a guy that adds some experience. He's going to allow us to rotate. Um, we'll talk about this with Kiwi or as well. He's positionally flexible, so he plays on the left, but can play other so- in the middle as well on the front line, which mm. will allow us to rotate some of those players, which we're really going to need uh, as when the games start to get a little... A little more more frequent uh, come February and then into March and then and April, hopefully, as we keep going right. deeply, hopefully in Europa League, possibly the FA Cup, as well as the, the Premier League schedule. So having that ability to rotate and that positional flexibility. And then as for Kiwi or, um young guy, he's 22, sort of fits with that strategy uh he's listed as a center back but apparently can play on either side can' actually play even on the on the on the flanks if needed as the left or right back so again positional flexibility allows you to rotate guys in and bring them in and do different things uh and so that kind of flexibility has been really important to Arsenal so both of them fit uh in particular ways and it looks like they're probably both gonna play some really good roles um you know, going forward down the stretch run, which is is nice to see and be able to have that.
0: So as far as we know, at this time, is Arsenal done transferring for January? To my knowledge, uh, there is a persistent rumor that uh, Cedric Suarez,
1: who is uh, uh, one of our backup sort of outside defenders, right back, uh, there has been a persistent rumor that he will go to Fulham uh, obviously that hasn't been completed because as far as I know he's still at he's still at Arsenal, so it's possible we have an mm-hmm. outgoing. Uh there are rumors mm-hmm. of Arsenal being connected to a couple other young players. I I don't remember who they are, so I, I don't remember where I saw them, so I can't look them up and find them for you, but I have seen that we are connected to a few others. And you may see that. Um, you know, those kind of deals go forward. And it's it's like anything else if you follow other sports in America, have the trade deadline, so sort of that you know, the last day you can make trades there's usually a lot of rumors and then right before the deadline, there's a flurry of activity as everybody, try, you know, sports executives procrastinate just like the rest of us. So all these things get done <laughs> at the last possible minute. And so you may see a few things happening, you know, in the 30th and the 31st towards the end of the window. It's not ideal. Uh, you know, it's really good that we got Troussard in now. And in fact, as we saw, he was not only done, that deal was done earlier in the week and he was, he was, in the lineup and actually got on the field. I think there were a lot of people who were sort of speculating he'd probably get a an appearance late in the game, and he was he was actually quite uh, influential in the the brief time he was on the field. So
0: yeah, yeah, definitely took immediate effect. That was great. Yeah. So one last piece of news, uh, as as you may remember, I'm a big Apple fan. I, I follow Apple more closely than basically anything else. And uh, it was in the news this past week that Apple TV. Plus is reportedly bidding on Premier League rights to begin in 2025. It seems like it's early in the process, and I think there are a bunch of other bidders. This would be to take the rights away from Peacock in the U.S. I don't remember if uh, they're bidding on anything internationally, but at least in the U.S. They, they have Major League Soccer, and they're shaking things up with how they're going to be covering Major League Soccer with no blackouts and... A set schedule that makes it easy to know when the games are happening and things. So it, this is this is good news. Uh, and if it if it is more international, that could also be good. If it did come to England, uh, it would be nice for those markets to know that there are no blackouts because Apple generally, just from my knowledge of how they do things, they're not going to tailor the agreement if they want no blackouts that's going to be a sticking point and they may pay more for it but i think they generally want a consistent experience across their offerings so yeah i'll uh i'll update everyone as it gets closer as i hear more about that but that's uh that's exciting i would like that i I can't say whether or not i would hold on to my peacock membership at this point i I signed (laughs) up for peacock in the first place to watch arsenal if Arsenal has gone from there i don't know whether or not i would keep it i might there there is some other stuff the app is garbage but you know the, the content <laughs> which is the refrain with all these streaming apps the content is there so you know who knows but
1: <laughs> um it, it's kind of interesting yeah it's kind of interesting obviously the, to bring that up i'm i'm i i think i would guess uh that a lot of that's going to be based on uh what are we looking at um oh it's interesting so I, I now just see this article they are actually looking for domestic rights in the uk um no they're looking for hmm. streaming rights so a lot of the over-the-air right. stuff in the uk is of course tied to uh sky sports bt sport and also the bbc depending yep. on the competition so it's a different kind of market uh within the US right because though, the
0: government involvement right
1: right and that's and that's just the nature of the way things sort of work in the UK and especially especially something yeah. like the BBC but it was a big deal when the BBC lost uh you know the 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 football rights to Sky and and I know we'll talk about this another time and you know Sky Sports and the, the role of Sky Sports in the creation of the Premier League uh so mm-hmm. a lot of sort of interesting things there I I'd be curious to see how that is in um because because that's the thing, in the uh, there are also r- rules actually involved about when games are played in the UK. There are actually scheduled times where they're not allowed to be played. So I wonder how much. Hmm. I'd be very curious how much influence they'll end up having on that. Obviously, as you say, there's a way Apple does those things, and I'm sure that's going to be part of the negotiation. But like NBC, for example, has basically puts the games on when the Premier League tells right. them they're on, um, right? But, you know, again, that's because the NBC is the U.S. broadcaster of the Premier League. Now, Sky has a, a, a lot of influence on how that happens. And so if the streaming results are changed, they would be very curious how that goes. Um, and then, of course, with the with the UK, there's still a lot of over the air stuff as well. So that'd be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how that plays out uh, and um, what it means for the Premier League, both there, but also here, too. I, I wonder how that would work as far as them having the rights here. Presumably they would, but I don't know. That's kind of curious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it seems like the pricing is reasonable. Like with Major League Soccer, they're asking something, if I remember right, it was like 50 bucks for the season, like to have the entire season's game streamed if you're already an Apple TV Plus member. And if you want just soccer, it would have been like 70 bucks for the year or something like that. It's not like they're going to be exorbitant or anything like that. And that, that maybe Major League Soccer isn't as valuable and Premier League may. Be be more than that but as a template that's uh, uh, it's interesting i'm definitely curious to see how that goes i i expect your yeah I, I
1: expect you're right the premier league would be would be a substantially is a substantially more valuable property um than major oh, league yeah. soccer i enjoy major league <laughs> soccer but there's there is no comparison between the two it's no, not even no. close
0: no, but I, I guess the other thing that excites me about it is, is just the quality. I, I, I'm not. I don't watch a lot of baseball, but I found myself on Apple TV Plus got the rights to Friday Night Baseball for last year. And I found myself on a Friday night when I was just in the TV app because I'd finished watching something else. I saw the game was on and I just watch it for a little bit because I was interested about the coverage and to see what Apple's experience is like. And the stream quality was great. It seemed like I think it was 4K and it looked really good. That's that's one thing we, we talk about a lot. If that could yeah. bring some quality improvements, that would be appreciated.
1: I think I think you'll definitely see in terms of the the picture quality, I think that'll be very high. I I have heard some complaints about the broadcasting quality, which is always kind of a mixed Hmm. bag, you know, the quality of commentators and and baseball. Every sport has its own sort of culture as far as commentators and what's expected of them and what people like about them. Baseball is a very local sport and. People like hearing their local broadcasters. You, know, you get used to, mm-hmm. especially with the nature of baseball. Every day, you get used to these people being on the TV every night, and so sometimes those national games where the broadcast isn't about your team, uh, it's about both right. teams. Got a lot. Some people are kind of put off by that, but uh, or and, and that's to say anything. I did not watch. I do not have Apple TV, so I didn't watch any of the Friday night games. Um, yeah. so I can't speak to the quality of the broadcast, but I I know there were some. There were some. There were some people not thrilled with it, but again, it's hard to tell if that's actual concerns about quality or just people grumbling because you know things aren't the way they right. used to be. Which is, a, you know, is a is is sometimes how that gets approached.
0: Sure. So, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, more to follow. As, as I hear more, I will, I'll keep everyone updated. So I think it's time to talk about the Manchester United match. Um, <laughs> just to say, I mean, this I, I felt happier when this match ended than after any previous match. To the point where I stuck around and watched the coverage after because I just like I was just kind of glowing and wanted to stay in it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> is what it was.
1: Now and he's was now something. he's yeah now he's <laughs> really discovering what it means. This was. I mean, I'll say I'll say this at the start. Tottenham is, of course, the local rival. They're the they're the neighbors. That's that's the 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 ancient hatred. Um, mm-hmm. n- nobody at Arsenal has any warm feelings whatsoever for Chelsea. They're a very easy club to dislike. But I, I can speak for me personally. There is no club I enjoy beating more than Manchester United. Hmm. Yeah, so I, what's they, your reason for that i they, i mean united for basically the when the Premier League started in the early nineties I mean Manchester United has always been a solid club they had won the European cup uh back in the I say in the sixties uh maybe the seventies they they had won one or twice before they've always been a very good team they're one of the they're one of the you know the top clubs in the history of the league and then right about the same time as the start of the Premier League in the early nineties is when they hired um Alex Ferguson as their manager and they someone described it to me manchester united got good when the money got huge and they were one of the first Hmm. clubs to truly like truly leverage themselves financially in a way that no one had before Hmm. until until um really until roman Abramovich came into chelsea and then later you see uh you know with uh the, the city football group and the the emirates coming in with uh or the etihad coming in with uh Manchester City. And so United has always Mm. sort of been in the forefront of that. They are definitely a glamour team. I think that they've won like twelve titles in twenty five years, which is Mm -hmm. which is an incredible run. Um they are they for the longest time they were very good, which makes them extremely annoying because they win all they would win all the time. Uh they have a massive fan base, you know, massive global fan base. Um and and during probably the late '90s and, and into the early 2000s back when back when Arsene Wenger was in his prime and, and Ferguson was at United they had one of the one of the biggest rivalries in arguably the world I mean Arsenal so, you know you hear suggestions of this you know the 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 Wenger Ferguson rivalry the Arsenal United rivalry in that period in some ways helped make the Premier League I mean you, stars all over the field really really contentious games i mean they you know sometimes rivalries are more fan-based than player-based those two teams did not like each other they were both ruthlessly competitive Mm -hmm. they were the ones in each other's way uh for the title and the games were suitably epic so you know and and so you add into that that when arsenal started to slip in the mid 2000s united continued winning titles and so there's a pretty substantial group of you. Un- yeah. I mean, certainly the United fans have a, a, some ways well, well-earned sense of entitlement. Um, you know, they've, they have not been good for a few years, basically since Ferguson retired. And yet even then Arsenal have had a few games that completely outplayed United, but given up some, some just dumb or awful goals and wind up losing games that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, there was a game they lost yeah. to United eight to in old Trafford. I I will never ever get tired of seeing Arsenal beat United. <laughs> it doesn't Man, help my brother is also a United fan. We don't we don't trash talk about Oh more, really? But, uh, but I I, <laughs> I yeah. If on the off chance he ever listens to this, I loved a sun Sunday morning was a was a was
0: amazing. <laughs> so, so yes. Who started following Premier League first, you or him?
1: Uh, and actually it was him. Uh, he had sort of gotten into United okay. a little bit. I mean, we didn't talk about it much. We both talked about the U S national team. I, I really picked up Arsenal, as I said, when I was studying abroad in college and sort of brought that back right. for myself. And I knew he was something of a United fan and he's, I mean, he follows them. Well, he's, he's a real fan. He knows United. He has strong opinions about the club and the players. So it's certainly, um, you know, he's mm-hmm. certainly, you know, he's, he is not a, he's certainly no dilettante. And so he knows, he, you know, he right. definitely knows what he's talking about in a lot of respects. So, um, but yeah, I okay. mean, so, but we, you know, we, we, there are some sports we follow the same teams and we get along. We talk about those. If the ones we follow different teams, we don't talk about them that much. We're not really trash talkers with each other. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Okay. Um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, so Helps keep
0: it civil. Yeah, it keeps it civil. It does. <laughs>
1: So, anyway, so, yeah. you, so, doesn't it feel good? So what to a beat? match! Yeah, doesn't it feel good?
0: Yeah, no, it does. I mean, so uh, we, we can we can go for the blow by blow if you want, but I mean, just some kind of general thoughts. For one thing, I had a note once it got brought back to two up uh, to all. I was pretty sure that the game was going to end in a draw. It really seemed like it was going that way. And that was, th- there was still probably 20, 30 minutes left at that point. There, there was quite a bit of play, but it just seemed like even if one team did manage to pull ahead, that it wouldn't last long, which had been the, the mold from the match. And for that la- <laughs> that last amazing little twinkle toes moment from Enketia, uh, it was... It was beautiful, and I mean, it technically happened in stoppage time that hadn't even been declared yet. I think, or, yeah, or it was, right
1: before it was, it was right around. It was 90 late, minutes. late, yeah, right, right around the ninety-minute mark. Uh, yeah, it's it is frustrating because you know, statistic. It is interesting to watch statistically. Arsenal was Arsenal dominated United in that game. They, I mean, Arsenal. I mean, United really had yeah. maybe three or four good chances obviously they scored two goals and and Ramsdale made a couple of really key saves but for the most part Arsenal was Arsenal was all over them and but was interesting at the same time I, I mentioned before the atmosphere where I was I thought was there was a lot of very nervous energy it, it felt like because I don't we don't get the commentary as well in in the bar because you can't hear it uh you know with the right. with everybody around us the team looked a little nervous. Their passing was not very sharp. It felt like they were making some uncharacteristic errors. Uh, you know, Ben White had, did not have a very yeah. good game. There, there was a rumor. somewhat there were rumors kicking around. He might have been sick. Um, oh. You know, I, I don't. You know, I don't really know. I, you know, he didn't have a great game. I, you know, he's been great all season. I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep yeah. over this. As you know, I he'll as long as he comes back the next game and plays well. I'm I'm not going to lose. I'm, it's going to be fine. Everybody has a bad day.
0: Um mm-hmm. and to you know and it's well, great and Arteta to have, recognized it and yanked him at the and, halftime substitution and it's cool. window so yeah and
1: again it's really great in terms of depth to have a guy like Tomiyasu on the bench that you can bring in for that mm-hmm. so that's really that's really good um but yeah overall they they dominated the game and it's one of those you know it really especially because we had they were the team that had already beaten us you know the the possibility mm-hmm. of, of of even just dropping points to them especially if you watch during the week city won on in the midweek, they beat Spurs, they beat wolves pretty handily on Sunday morning. So that eight point lead was now suddenly down two points. And so again, mm-hmm. it would have been fine had we dropped points, but to, you know, to, to grab the win. And I, I was reading something quickly after the game, they talked about that. There's a, there's a ruthlessness to this arsenal team that they were not going to settle for the draw. And they went, they kept going after right. them and, I've seen a lot of it drawn to yeah. I've seen a lot of it drawn to I mean you point out Inkedia who I agree probably should be the 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 man of the match and I think we can talk about him but I think part of it is is Zinchenko.
0: Yeah, big influence, absolutely. And if, everywhere if, man.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, was, I the the cast uh, referred to him as uh, Arsenal's queen. In chess terms, because of course the queen, <laughs> okay. for those, as you know right. with chess, the queen can go anywhere yeah. on the board. And if you look, Zinchenko right. is everywhere. I mean, he's he's he nominally is. the he left is. back, but he just yeah. Um, and but you watch that actually, probably the most impressive thing was when when Inkedia scores, it's Zinchenko who sprints over to the corner, you know, veins bulging in his neck, right. fist pump, runs into the crowd to get the hugs. He he. He wanted it. And there is something Mm -hmm. about and there is something about him and Jesus who have come out of Manchester City, who has won titles like that sort of that sense of ruthlessness that, you know, we will not lose this game. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. not that the other guys don't have it, but it's clear it's it's rubbing off on them in a lot of ways. And it's just it's really it's a lot of fun to see.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, as as some tangible evidence of what you were talking about, the, the dominance of Arsenal in this match, there was a stat toward the end of the match. It was maybe two-thirds of the way into the second half. They were noting the number of touches in the opposition box. Arsenal had 50 to United's 11. That was just a massive, massive difference. And and it wasn't surprising when you saw that because it... it Matched what you'd been seeing on screen. It was really something,
1: right? I mean, that's that's the fun thing about a lot of statistics, and people talk about the using statistics. I mean, you know, touches in the opponent's box is, is hardly the most advanced of t- statistics, and you know, you someone's just watching and just sort of <laughs> counting as it happens. It's not calculated in any way. But um I mean, we we outshot them twenty five to six. It's the numbers I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, with twelve corner corners to their four. I mean, we were we were better than them. Someone pointed out, I think, the expected goals, which is sort of the if the game played out this way, how many goals did each team score? It was something like I want to say like two and a half for Arsenal to less than a half for United. I, they we were in a lot of ways. It was similar to the first game. United was going to sit deep, defend well, beat us on the counter, but you know, sort of like Tottenham. You know the big difference between this and the Tottenham game is, you know, we saw Tottenham had a couple chances and couldn't really bury them. United was able to. Um, you know, we could and we can give credit where it's due. I mean, Marcus Rashford is 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 on fire, and that was a
0: that was an annoyingly yeah. good goal. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> it was perfect. It was exactly where it needed to be when it needed to be. Yeah, that was. <laughs> it was and 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 unfortunately it was the first one like the, i was afraid that it would set the tone but you know we came back just a few minutes later with some nice teamwork and that header going in from Enkedia for his first goal so oh yeah, great, th- to, that, yeah. great that great to see that did end up setting the template us coming back from that
1: and that's and that's kind of what we've done all year like when when arsenal concedes they they come back there's a, there's a again that that ruthlessness that determination that they it, they 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 don't get rattled when they give up a goal and that's that's with a young team you can't always be sure of that but they really have been able to, to to bounce back from those situations and really make something of them which has been it's been it's been fun to see
0: right um the the next thing that i noted after the the first exchange of goals there was one moment where Odegaard got knocked to the ground or fell, whatever, but he landed with the ball trapped underneath his legs. (laughs) I was just amazed at how he managed to keep the ball secure from the United player who was right on top of him and get into an upright stance, still maintaining possession. And I think he ended up turning it over another a few seconds later, he passed it and ended up going to United anyways. But in that moment when it was in his direct control, <laughs> he managed to keep it out. I just, I just couldn't believe that. Yes, yeah, It was really fun to watch.
1: It is fascinating. There's, I, I, I recall as a, as a youngster that there were some rules about playing the ball with your feet when you were on the ground like that, like, you know, cause there's something dangerous about it when you're lying on the ground or it, like that. And it did look like, th- I thought when that happened, the defender kind of backed off of him a bit, which helped, so I was a little surprised that okay. that all went, uh, that all happened the way it did. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, you know, if you're Odegaard, right, you, you, as they say, you play to the whistle.
0: They didn't stop me, so I'm just going to keep going. And you <laughs> yeah, know, good, yeah, good exactly, for him for,
1: yeah. yeah, good for him for just keep for
0: keep going with it. Well, speaking of playing to the whistle, there there was another moment where I remember. It seemed like someone may have been fouled and it may have even been a potential penalty and Arsenal just kept on playing, kept on trying to score. And the referee was just waving them on like, no, I didn't blow the whistle guys keep playing. And, and Arsenal was, but there were some people who were standing around like what <laughs> we're not stopping. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting, right? I mean, you know, penalties are like that. You'll see people kind of uh, you, you'll see, you'll see that when it happens, you'll see a lot of guys. I mean, they will be, you know, depending on the play, waving their hands in the air or, you know, say, you know, begging for calls. But I mean, that's that's they say that's the rule when when you,
0: you know, if you don't hear a whistle, you keep playing. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's like I guess in baseball, like running through first base, like not watching the ball. You just run and run and run until you're called out. Like you know, you just keep your eyes on the goal, and everything else will be brought to your attention if it needs to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let the referee. Let the you know, especially especially if you're the one who. Um...
1: especially if you're the that's especially true by the way if you're the one who think the team they say may have committed a foul if you you don't stop because you don't want to let the referee think oh i must have done something (laughs) wrong no no just keep playing to see if you can play through it um (laughs) i mean i will say i will i will say and we've been critical of the referees and not not unentirely fair uh, not unfairly i should say uh, at times but at the same time while i disagreed with some particular calls of me he may have made overall i thought uh anthony taylor did a pretty good job keeping control of the game which could have easily gotten a little gotten a little chippy in the in the in the wrong moments and was certainly very demonstrative about penalties not given particularly to united which didn't yeah. deserve any of them
0: Right. No. uh, Yeah. Uh, Looking at the replays of them, No, I I totally agree with that. One particular call I do want to get your take on was so there was a moment in the first half. I forget which uh, United player, but someone coming up behind Saka, who I believe had the ball, uh, knocked Saka over from behind. Saka went down. And Arteta was not having it. He got a little a little nuts about it. And he said something about four times, like this is the fourth time that that player did that to him or something like that. And Arteta was given a yellow card and no foul ended up being called against the player who knocked over Sokka. What what did you make of that situation? Um, in the moment, that's one of those, it's very frustrating because, of course,
1: I mean, I did, I, I did actually think that it was, I'm pretty sure it was Sokka who was it. I, I thought it was a foul uh, of course, you think it's a foul. And, and you know, you get a little annoyed, of course, when it doesn't happen. And actually, we saw the card mm-hmm. come out and everyone, everyone, we started cheering because we are like, yeah, they carded him like <laughs> right. they should have. And then when you sort of see it and you can see from the reaction and then it puts up on the graphic that you know, it was Arteta that was carded. And at the moment, right. of course, everybody's everybody's furious, right? How dare they? It should have been a card there. How dare your cards had a cold light of day, you know, take a step back. There are certain things you cannot say to the referees. (laughs) I'm I'm sure Arteta said one of those things. (laughs) And I, in the end, I can't really be angry. I, 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 you know, it's frustrating in the moment, but I, (laughs) yeah. And I think even, I forget exactly what he said. Arteta had some comment afterwards where, you know, just sort of smiled about it. It was like, yeah, maybe I should have, you know, like, I forget what he said, but whatever his comment was kind of a winking, like, yeah, I probably deserve that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i i remember yeah i was seeing the the, the sky was interviewing him it was, it was they showed a clip of it in the the post-match coverage and they asked him to comment And he's like no i'm not gonna say anything like <laughs> what, what do you what do you think i'm gonna say well i mean yeah, and so he, he yeah and but <laughs> and
1: that is a certain problem as well because if you're you know you and people talk about the referees if you are too critical in the aftermath you know you will get fined you, there are rules That's against interesting there are rules against being overly critical of referees and refereeing decisions um a lot of uh-huh. it goes to the concept of the integrity of the league like you you can't the one thing you sure. cannot do is call into into question the integrity of the competition and they do judge that very harshly they are very the the league is very careful about that and and, and all professional leagues are and you know Saying the referee screwed up or that was a terrible call is actually a pretty good way to get yourself a uh a little bit lighter in the wallet in the aftermath, yeah, and you will hear now and again well, coaches coaches asked about those things and they'll say I, I i can't I can't afford to answer that question <laughs> or i can't i can't well, i sure, can't tell yeah. you what I really
0: think. Well, so I'm wondering, it seems like that probably doesn't apply to World Cup play. Like It seems like everyone, everyone pretty freely will talk about the FIFA refs, but maybe I'm just thinking of commentators, not players or managers.
1: Uh, could be. I think there's also, it, it It also, I think it has to do with the governing authority, Um the, obviously with the Premier League has a good deal of say over, you know, that's who their contracts are with, you know, their yeah. contracts with their clubs, but obviously the league has authority. I, I don't know that FIFA has the same authority over them to levy those fines. But maybe they do exist and I don't really notice it. Um, and I think there is a little bit more leeway given in the World Cup because of the nature of the, the nature of the competition, you know, because it's meant to be mm-hmm. so intense and at the peak that, you know, there's a lot more, Also, the World Cup, as you may have gathered from uh, from the the uh, the Netflix documentary, has just enough of a sketchy history where you can't be quite sure they're wrong.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, really? (laughs) That's true. So moving into the second half, the first goal was a mind blowing shot by Sokka from. Further back than that semicircle at the top of the penalty box, it was probably what twenty-two yards away or something. Yeah, yeah, say twenty, goal, maybe twenty, something amazing. like that. Yeah. Oh, just yeah, just
1: beautiful. I mean, you know, he. Someone said Saka looked at at Marcus Rashford and said, "You know, challenge accepted." I mean, and they're two really <laughs> good, two really good young England stars. And, and Saka, Saka was terrorizing United down his side of the field all night, and it just a I mean, that's, there aren't many players who can do that, especially at his age. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. The, they had asked him, they were interviewing him and Enketiah together after the match. And they referenced something that Saka, Saka was the third Arsenal player. They said this score against Manchester United three times or something in th- like in that. Three and three Henry on
1: was one of the other two. In three consecutive games, three consecutive games against United. Okay. Yeah, Henri and I, I, yeah. I. want to say it was Freddie <laughs> Yunberg was the other one. Okay. And again, both of those
0: guys yeah, were that during. Was, that
1: was cool. Both those guys were during that that there in those late nineties, early two thousands stretch. So both of those guys are you know big names from, uh, from the recent past, sure. relatively recent past. So you know it is that is good company. To, anytime you're on a list with Thierry Henri involving goals, that's a really good list to be
0: on. Yeah. So the next thing I noted after that, though, is not too long after that goal, I felt Ramsdale had a really key moment when he made a save it was in the 55th minute where if that had gone in, and I do think that it would have if, if Ramsdale hadn't acted extraordinarily to prevent it, um, that would have been devastating if like the lead got taken away right after and it allowed them to stay ahead for just enough longer i think to keep the momentum on their side and keep that pressure on
1: yeah and i think a, he's a and i moment. think he's and we talked it some was like with, with spurs last week right that ramsdale you know the he, spurs certainly and to a lesser degree united are sort of those moments teams and ramsdale actually does really good in moments is able to be there even even though he can be shaky at times like on their second goal that was a it was an unfortunate set of circumstances, but he's, he has been really good yeah. all year and really good, <laughs> really good when he needs to be. And with Arsenal, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of possession. You're not going to face a lot of shots if you're a keeper, but they're going to be really critical ones when they come and he has been ready. And that's, that's, that's as much mental as it is physical.
0: Yeah. Um But yeah, that, that, last goal from united though that that was so that was a corner kick and then their their player martinez i don't remember his first name um Lissandra, actually Lissandro, i think it was right Lissandra, or, yeah Lissandra. martinez who's uh, who played yeah. for uh uh played for argentina actually oh okay I didn't, I didn't recognize him. Well, something else, actually, while I'm thinking of him, I want to ask about. I saw he was wearing a, a headband, like a sweatband over his forehead. And that, that does not seem very common for players to wear any kind of headgear. Um, are there rules against it or it's just generally against the culture or it's, you know? it's
1: I think it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's sort of a cultural fashion thing. If you go far enough back, there's certainly a history of guys wearing headbands Um You'll see a lot of them will do, especially ones who have longer hair, will wear these like really thin bands. Like, I'm, I I suspect uh, Erling Holland has quite substantial hair, like these really thin ones to sort of help hold their hair in place. But I don't, I don't think there's any rules against it. I wondered, I mean, because we saw it, we all kind of got a laugh out of it and, you know, some, some Cobra Kai jokes. (laughs) But uh, I, (laughs) I, I wonder a lot of times you see people with players with headgear. You almost wonder if it's tied to maybe an injury or something. I wonder if he had maybe gotten cut and was hold, you know, in maybe the, oh, okay. the last game. I, I don't know that. Um, I, but you're right. It was kind of interesting to see. Um, I don't know that the background yeah, behind that or maybe those, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Those thin ones that you were talking about. Yeah. That's just to hold their hair back. I, I, I know that you can tell that. Um, but yeah, I guess I was curious about his also, because when I'm playing, I played again uh, yesterday uh, as we record and, um, I sweat a lot from my head and my forehead and you know, I've got my keeper gloves on and I feel like I need uh, my, <laughs> my motorcycle gloves very often have a feature where the index finger on the left side will have like a little rubber squeegee <laughs> built into it <laughs> to get rain off your, your helmet yeah. visor. I feel like I need something like that on the back of my keeper glove for this, like squeegeeing the sweat off my forehead. So yeah. I was like, Hmm, If if I was okay with how it looked, maybe I should wear a sweatband. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any but, rules against... I'm sure there's some element is also, like, you know, a, a foreign... Because it, it's on your head, because you can play with your head. So I wonder, you know, in retrospect, right. as I think about it more, I wonder if there's something to that, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why it's on his forehead, like, across his forehead, instead of being up higher, where, like, I guess you can play with your forehead, but I think it's probably more common to use the top of your head. But... Uh, maybe not, though. Thinking back, but... Yeah, that's interesting. But... uh. So, so as the match went on, so after that, um, that last goal by Martinez, it was a long stretch that was scoreless where it just, it was just relentless play from Arsenal. The ball was just on United's half almost the whole time, almost uninterrupted. It was just, you felt like it was inevitable that Arsenal was going to score. And it just seemed like <laughs> it, it started, seeming like it wasn't going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and De Gea made a really good save a few minutes before the goal on Enkedia right in front. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's a credit to Enkedia, you know, that he was able to put that behind him when given it an opportunity, was able to bury it's a bit strong given the way he sort of twisted it in, but, you know, he he <laughs> right. got the goal. And, that yeah, I mean, De Gea made a good save. And, you know, speaking of annoying players, David De Gea is one of them, you know, who has – come up with a number of big saves over the years and sort of cost Mm -hmm. arsenal points, even in games where they have outplayed (laughs) United. So again, uh, his, uh, his, his so-called injury there right before stoppage time as well uh, was not, was a certainly earned a reaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I reacted similarly to what you're talking about, I think. (laughs) Cause yeah, (laughs) yeah. Not didn't, didn't put him in a good light. (laughs) No, but
1: you know, I mean, sometimes y- you get what you deserve.
0: <laughs> one thing that I thought was just some interesting photography during the, the second half. There's this one play where Saka and I don't remember who, I think it may have been Rashford, um, they were both going after the ball with their feet outstretched in the air and their cleats collided with each other stud side versus stud side. And it was just amazing. And they showed a lower angle of it. You just saw this like cloud of dirt clumps flying (laughs) through the air. It was really, really something I hadn't seen before. It was pretty cool. The
1: joys of super slow motion cameras if it's the play i'm thinking of i think there were a lot of shouts in our in in my place for a a foul on rashford because i recall saka got the ball and rashford got saka
0: so right right and there may have been a foul called after that i think i don't remember but yeah it definitely looked like there should have been but uh but yeah so then and pulled it out uh, with that little toe flick at the end and uh that was that was a nail biting uh, VAR too, because like it seemed like it wasn't entirely straightforward that he was on side for that. So we had to wait out the sweat out the review and wait for it to conclude. But then well, I, it came out in our yeah. favor and it was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, so I remember I because I remember, of course, first as the goal, you know, obviously was great and and, and has he's 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 obviously not gabriel jesus but he has more than i mean he's played very well obviously scoring goals but he's played very well i mean really rewarded arteta's faith in him to re-sign him in the off season to to be able to play him when when jesus has been hurt i mean you know full credit to him he is riding the wave right now and and it's and it's great it's great for arsenal it's great for him uh, you know to and to have that uh you know, the, he's something of, they call the fox in the box. Like, he he is, there's a skill involved in always being in the right position to get a shot or to get a goal, and he was exactly in the right position to get a goal. Mm-hmm. And in terms yeah. of the offside, yeah, you're right. When I was watching it, of course, you're looking at him, and I, my first thought was, oh, no, he is offside because I'm looking at him with the defender who is next to him. Um, but as we were watching it, someone pointed this out to me, United have a, had another defender actually closer to the camera who was further back and once you see him oh he's clearly onside plus the keeper's there so it actually wasn't even all that oh, close okay. I mean I, I get viewing it on VAR but then once I once once I saw the whole thing okay yeah you're right it's a goal that was the right call and even if it wasn't mm-hmm. uh United got a goal um recently one of their recent games I think it was against City in a goal where they were clearly offside and it was just missed so Hmm. You know, hmm. again, sometimes, sometimes things just work out.
0: But I, but yeah. I'm pretty sure he was onside. So, so here's a thought experiment for you. Hmm. Let's say Jesus's knee is declared fit for him to play tomorrow, hmm. right? who do you put in the next match and let's let's say it's not the FA Cup match let's say the next Premier League match. Just to to because I know it's the FA Cup match is an outlier it's against city and it is yeah also an FA so Cup I, match, I, I so it's different considerations right. who do you put in I think
1: that is going to depend a lot on because you're going to see this a lot we talked about rotation it's going to depend a little bit on how we're approaching each game I think if it's the bigger game, I think if you're, whatever, whichever one you're considering the bigger game, I think it's Jesus. If you think he's healthy and ready to go, again, I said a lot of nice things about Eddie. He's done a great job in. I still think Gabriel Jesus is overall a better player than Enquetia. Um And to have a guy hmm. like Enkedia on the bench, now he's struggled a little bit coming in on, on the bench, coming in on the, uh, out off the bench. You know, it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, You know, that gives me a little pause there, but, you know, to not just say, oh, we just, we could just throw on Enkedia for a goal late, but I think Jesus is still the better player. Now, having said that, in your hypothetical, you know, we could walk into a game and you could start Eddie Enkedia, and I would not, I certainly wouldn't be, I, I would not, I would, I certainly wouldn't be worried, at least about that. Right. So I think Jesus is better but to have a guy like Inkiedia as your as your essentially your number 2 and I wonder also as well depending on how it works out as you rotate players later on you know deep in Europa League in the season as you rotate players can Inkiedia slot in for even someone like Martinelli um you know can you hmm. what can Emil Smith Rowe do for you you have Trossard he can play centrally Smith Rowe can play centrally I frankly I think in a pinch Bukayo Saka could probably play centrally so again that, that notion of versatility gives you those kinds of options where you can bring in different people and get people rest and even bring in different people during the game and and they can make different kinds of adjustments and i know arteta really likes that and i can and it's easy to see why so the simple answer to your question is you know one lineup for you know for all the marbles i would put in i would put in jesus um but I don't think we lose a whole lot within Kennedy. I think we're in pretty good shape uh,
0: Mm -hmm. there. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, when all was said and done, no, no further goals in stoppage time, we won three to two and uh, we canceled out their points. So Mm -hmm. the mission accomplished there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you know, again, United's a team that's
1: been hot lately. You know, they've been creeping up the table you know if for them to win would have been a major statement of intent for them and all of a sudden you could be talking about you know really a three team race uh for the title and even Newca- you know at that point yeah. if united wins they would have been on you pick math here i think 42 points we would have been on uh 47 so they're five points back city's at 45 i mean that's that's three teams right in there that are right all you know right all in, in line with each other united just beat city uh recently so there's a lot you can you know that could have been very interesting but as it stands now we're 11 points clear of of Man- of United and Newcastle and 5 points of City and that's just a, with a game in hand on all of them we've only played 19 games they've all played 20 so right. you know we have a we're in a very advantageous position at this point
0: Wow so yeah when when I was seeing the table at the end of the match in that coverage yeah we were 5 points clear with one game in hand so now they've all completed their matches and it's 11 you're saying uh, we're 11 ahead of Manchester United.
1: Ah, now, gotcha. now an, okay. a, a, and new and Newcastle who are third and fourth. We are uh five. Right. We are, you're right. Five ahead of city who is in second, but they've right. all, all okay. three of them have played 20 games. We've only played 19.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. it's really incredible. Um, so yeah, something that was funny for me. So I, I don't typically watch the coverage after the match. I'm, especially when I'm watching time shift, I've got other stuff to do. Um, but I, I wanted to stick around and see what they had to say and just kind of soak it all in <laughs> a little bit more. One thing that was funny with this match in particular is, I guess, for this weekend's matches, the Peacock coverage was doing this My PL Morning thing where they were having all of their commentators out in Universal Studios in Orlando. Mm. So there was this massive zoo of people behind them as they were getting yeah. their commentary. And it was funny to me. I wanted to point out to you because I I have a background in sound recording and and sound engineering and stuff. And um, (laughs) I noticed there if anyone noticed that their microphones had really long handles and they were wondering why that is, they were using shotgun mics and they're called shotgun mics because they have really long barrels like a shotgun, but the, that's how you would pick up uh, sound like on a movie set. They would usually be suspended from a boom arm um, held by a boom operator up over the head of whoever's talking, and it has a very, very narrow pickup pattern. They would be holding those under their mouths so that the background noise from the crowd behind them is more muted than if you're if you're using one of their normal broadcast mics. Hmm. So that was just kind of funny for me, but I mean, also I, funny because I've been planning a an Orlando vacation this week and see them all there it's like oh why couldn't they have done this later when i was there but whatever
1: <laughs> yeah you just you just missed out on the on the fan fest they did one <laughs> earlier there i want to say they were in philadelphia they've done that they usually do that once a year where they'll come and do one. Uh, they'll do that sort of live sort of broadcast slash bro- you know a uh, show in on location somewhere in the u.s uh they were in aust i was in austin a couple of years ago i know a couple of the guys who went actually got some got some tv time standing right behind. Uh, right behind that right behind the uh the commentators as they were talking about something, so
0: oh okay <laughs> cool so uh so yeah that was that was an amazing match uh another one behind us uh, it's really shaping up to be an incredible season it. Yeah, in some ways it already is. Um, but yeah, I saw somewhere. Yeah, I mean, good point. No matter what happens at this point, it <laughs> it's already an incredible season.
1: I mean, at this at this point, if they weren't to fit, I mean, you know, we were, we were talking a bit about expectations before the you know before the game, and 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 one of the conversations we were we were talking we were having was you know how, how does this game fit within your expectations? What would be, you know, what would be good? You know, what what would you be okay with, or what would you you know would at this point, are we title or bust? And we're not title or bust at this point. I think there are still a good chunk of our Arsenal fans who would be happy to finish top four and get into the Champions League. Although I think, I think we're at the point where even top four is a little too small. I think even, I mean, frankly, to finish even top, to finish anything below top two at this point would feel like a massive disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. As far as winning the title, I mean, as we talked about last time, I think, it, I think. At this point, we can be talk seriously about it. I think it's a serious thing, um, given we have two games with City left. I mean, a game in hand, five points the way we played. It, it, now, it would take an incredible run on their part to overtake us, you know, uh, but obviously, if anyone's capable of it, they probably are. So, yeah. but yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm not prepared to say at this point that we have to win the title, but then again... I mean, we have a really great opportunity here. The city looks a little shaky. Liverpool and Chelsea are down. United is United's probably on the way up overall. I mean, they've they've their their manager Ten Hag has done a really good job with them. Um, Newcastle is sort of lurking as a team that's going to load up financially. It, you know the. the the idea that we're just going to be this good for the next couple of years, and of course we'll compete for the titles. You don't know that. And so there's a real opportunity mm. here. It's a real opportunity here to do something, and you just don't know. I mean, look at Liverpool. A year ago, they were, I mean, quite literally two games away from winning a quadruple. They nearly they were very, right. very, very close to winning four trophies, which is insane and yeah. never been done before in England. And yeah, now here they are. They're middle of the table. They're kind of, sort of bobbing around. They'll probably put together a run and get to a European spot. But they're they're they, nobody's nobody's worried about nobody's thinking about Liverpool in the Champions League. Nobody's thinking about Liverpool in you know in the in uh, the Premier League title. So yeah, you really just don't know,
0: right? Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. So. Uh... Let's look forward to next week. What's coming up? So uh, this
1: this is uh, it's an interesting game on Friday. So not in the weekend. It's Friday afternoon, at least in, in the U.S. Uh, the fourth round of the FA Cup. Arsenal goes to Manchester City. I will be very curious to see how both teams approach this game. For Arsenal, I expect a pretty strong lineup. Um, we do not have another game. We don't have a game for another week. Uh, I think this would be a right. real opportunity for us to sort of lay down a marker and sort of you know to go into manchester city and and potentially you know put on a good performance, potentially even win in advance and sort of really really make a statement of intent uh, uh you know obviously this game won't have any direct impact on the on the league but to 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 go do that, i think does say a lot about where we are and and our and our chances to be able to put make a good statement also alternatively, it's an opportunity for city to sort of. remind everyone oh by the way we're still here we're still pretty good uh we're not we're not done yet on the other hand you know Pep Guardiola is somewhat famous for this and Mikel Arteta was a a, an assistant with City and sometimes will do this occasionally getting a little too cute with a lineup or strategy in big games so you could also Hmm. see something that has it will end up having zero impact on the game uh I think it's mid-February when we play them we play them in the league and it and just might be a chance for a pep in particular. Cause it's hard to tell. I think city's real priority at this point is winning the champions league. Now they still have more than enough quality to do, to do that and, and do well in the league and the FA cup. But I'd be very curious to see, I wonder if he uses this as an opportunity to experiment a little, which could blow up in their face and knock them out of the cup, but then they may not care. And, you know, because that's not what mm-hmm. they, the FA Cup doesn't mean as much to them as it would to. It you know, doesn't mean as much to them as other trophies would. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah. So when is there? Do you know when their next match is after this FA Cup? Because that could factor in for them like it would for us. Um Yes, their next
1: game is is the following Sunday they are at Tottenham, which has always been an interesting game for them. So they have a week off. I mean, so if they if they feel like they okay. want to go, uh, you could very easily see both teams looking at this game and say, let's go, full throttle. They don't play in the Champions League until the end of February, so there's plenty of time for that. So I think there's a real, you know, and for us, our next game is, uh, the game following that is Everton, who is really bad, just fired their manager. think we mentioned that already so they you know that's a game where not that you'll take your foot off the gas of course but it's a game where playing manchester city even in a non-league competition is still bigger than an everton game which is a league fixture so it's it's curious (laughs) to think it's curious to see what they think about both of those things but that is that remains to be seen so
0: all right now um this they're calling this a fourth round tie at Manchester City. What does that term mean? Uh, so in that case, tie Manchester is just another game. it's just another game for a term for
1: a game or a fixture. It's ah, just okay. another game for another term, you know, just sort of an English. Um, it's not quite slang, but it's it's just means game or match. Um, OK, if they we're because a lot of times you'll hear it, Remember, in the standings, they don't say a tie. They say a draw.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yep.
1: So, so that I think is, so that's, that's all that is. I, I realize in the notes I wrote, Ty, I may have slipped into some of the lingo there, but. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's okay. I hadn't seen that before. So that's, that's good to know.
1: Yeah. You'll, you'll hear that dropped. And they just mean, at, at times, it just means a game. So. Okay.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner You We're on Apple's podcasts and Spotify and some other places. And we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan on Apple Podcasts to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Later, Keith. Uh, go you Gunners!